0: Welcome, everybody, to the Book of Jews. So glad you take the time out of your day, night, week, morning, whatever. Uh, Get to the point. Whatever you do. Thank you for listening. You might be walking. You might be sitting. You might be jogging. You might be driving to work. It doesn't matter. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's October, isn't it? I believe it's October. By the time you're listening to this, I believe it's October. Welcome fall. Those here in Texas, we all say amen because that that sun, that sun is so hot in the summer and, you know, go, I mean, it takes a while for it to cool down. And so uh, we welcome the colder weather. Unlike those in the north where I'm from, it's not going to be winter like that. But Texas is how would i describe texas i'm not a native texan if it's hot it's really really hot if it's cold it's really really cold although that doesn't equal snow um if it's raining it's like dropping from the sky raining like it's not oh it's sprinkled a little bit no it's raining but yeah texas is hot and when it's hot it's hot hot and i really believe you know the oh the 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 bible belt right well it's because it's hot i mean these people are so religious why it's hot i mean who wants to go to hell who wants to take that chance hotter than texas summers and of course i was in iraq for crying out loud i mean 135 degrees who who wants to chance hell i mean who who really i hate being hot i hate sweating Although Texas it's a dry heat and I appreciate that more than if it was uh humid I hate I hate that. But uh anyway, let's move forward. So it's October and we are moving forward uh, in a, in season 2. We we I think see um what is this? Episode 20 maybe. I'm not really sure but uh twenty five is the end of season two, so we're we're getting close, and I know how we're gonna end it. I uh, can't tell you, but it's it's oh man, you better brace yourself um fall my my house is decorated in fall uh decor does anyone else do that my um let's see my wife has totes and totes and totes out in the garage and they all have labels on them. She's a very organized person. They all have labels on them and it's summer, fall, spring. Um, The other ones, I don't know. Did I I forget one? I'm not sure. But every season she has uh, decor for every season, every daggone season. And so um, I don't know if that's you, if that's your household, but uh, I like it it's fine, but she gets really excited about fall. She loves fall, and we were looking out the back door uh all the trees that are back there. we were literally seeing the leaves fall. What else is going on? uh My two boys had their birthdays they're all a year older uh this month in October, my daughter's going to be older uh but i yes, I just recently turned forty the big (sighs) 4-0. It's okay. And the only reason it's okay is because, you know, people ask me, do you feel 40? Do you feel? No, I feel like I'm 60. Are you kidding? (laughs) I felt 40 years ago, maybe. Um, Wear and tear of the army and uh you know my back and my neck it's you know i'm just a little jacked up but it could be worse and i'm not complaining i'm just stating the facts but um yeah i don't feel 40 i don't know what 40 is supposed to feel like but I'm pretty sure i feel 60 but you know that's early in the morning and maybe may maybe 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 it's maybe no Maybe I just I just made up a word, maybelly. All right. Maybe I just made up maybelly. Um Yeah, so maybe 60 I feel. I don't know. We'll see. But uh yeah, I don't feel 40. I look 50. I've been told that several times. I'm bald, if you don't know. I'm bald and I have glasses and I'm overweight. And those three together People tend to to add ten years to their guess of your age, so <laughs> I've been I, I've literally like like I'm not even joking. In the past week, um, two people have get separate times, separate issues have guessed that I'm fifty and I just turned forty. So, uh, I got a face for podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, today, today we're talking about um, being healed. Now podcasts in the past, past podcasts, I can't talk today. I don't know why because I'm 40. That's why I'm 40. Um, previous episodes I have, we went over, I've taught on, um, Isaiah 53 by his stripes, we are healed. And that means physical healing, blah, blah, blah. You can go back and listen to that, but Today we're going to be looking at James chapter 5, and I think starting around verse 13. But it's about praying for those who are sick, anointing those who are sick, and what should we expect out of that. So we're going to um, tear that chapter apart, Those that, that uh, passage there. Also, um, I'm going to touch a little bit about the Isaiah 53 and, and uh First Peter two and all that, but, uh, for more extensive research into that, go back and find that it's probably called, um, by his stripes or, you know, something like that along those seasons, I believe season one, it could be season two. I really do not know. I don't have someone that organizes my notes. I don't have someone that organizes my thoughts. I don't have someone that, um, I don't have a social media manager uh, and I'm not saying that as if you probably couldn't tell, but I'm doing this all on the fly while I'm a hospital chaplain. I have a full time job. I have kids, wife. I got a dog. We're getting another dog. We're getting the brother of another litter, but the the same parents. Things are happening in my life, you know, so. um, So I, I, I'm sorry, I, I do not know which episode I probably could have looked it up. That's true. Um, but you know, forgive me, uh, but we're, we're going into James and I'm also going to end with, I'm going to share some, there's somewhere, there they are. I'm going to share some, um, um, Bible verses, um, that may interest you. You may not realize how many Bible verses they are. Um, uh, they're on the new Testament, but it's about, um, rebuking and correcting those who are false prophets you know those prosperity profits p r o f i t right and so um so we'll we'll get in that at the end um but all right hope you all are doing well i hope you enjoy this episode um it's october we're getting ready for what uh, thanksgiving and christmas and the new year 2021 is basically almost gone but we have this last section that we call fall and um, winter and so we're gonna we're ready to get into it but um, if you don't already get prepared we're going to james 5. are believers supposed to endure illnesses are we supposed to die or are we not supposed to die? Are we supposed to live forever here on earth physically? So here we go. James 5, starting with verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must pray call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Among the resources I'm using today is a book called The Most Misused Verses in the Bible, Surprising Ways God's Word is Misunderstood. Eric Bargerhuff specifically um, exegetes the scripture found in James 5 regarding uh, prayers of faith, elders coming to you, anointing you, healing for the sick. And he asked the question, because of the text, are we, when when let's just say an elder comes and anoints you and you're physically sick, are you supposed to be healed? Does James promise that healing? So one thing we notice is that not only the duty of the elders is to pray, but James also ascribes to them, uh, the the role of anointing the sick person with oil in the name of the Lord. And it's interesting because olive oil was used in biblical times for medicinal purposes as a way to protect and condition the skin. Uh, you might remember the Good Samaritan story in Luke 10. But James is not telling the elders to come pray and give medical attention here. You see, there was another purpose for using oil in the Bible. Oil was used as a symbolic way of setting a person apart or consecrating someone to God. Kings were anointed and priests were ordained with anointing oil to communicate that this person was committed and set apart for God and for God's purposes. Therefore, when the elders prayed over and anointed a sick person, they were saying in one sense that this person was being set apart for special attention from God while they prayed. Accompanied by a time of confession, the anointing with oil symbolically communicates that this is a moment where the one who is weak or sick is being consecrated unto the Lord and is renewing their commitment to place all of their trust in him in essence Eric writes they would be saying God I belong to you my life is yours my body and my soul are yours and we are praying for you to strengthen and heal notice all this is to be done in faith and in the name of the Lord that phrase in the name of the Lord carries serious implications First of all, recognizes that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord over all things and that his purposes and will far outweigh ours. His will far outweigh ours. Second, it recognizes that we come to him in prayer, not only on the basis of our own merits, but based on who he is and what he has done for us. You see we're coming to Lord we're coming to God as uh, as our Lord praying the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and like always we're saying not my will but yours. You see Jesus taught in John 14:13 that asking for things in his name will always be directly linked to that which will bring glory to God. The antidote to the suffering caused by evil treatment or persecution is seeking God's comfort through prayer. James directs those who are sick, quote unquote, meaning weakened by their suffering to call for the elders of the church for strength, for support, and for prayer. Now in verse 14, it says anoint him with oil, and it literally says rubbing him with oil, and we say anointing someone with oil. So, number one, if this is a ceremonial anointing. And we're gonna look at the references. Uh let's look at Leviticus 1418 and Mark six thirteen. Leviticus fourteen eighteen. While the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm he shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed. So the priest shall make an atonement on his behalf uh, before the Lord. This would have been understood as an anointing for entry into the office, but rather a symbolic gesture of cleansing and healing. There could be a connection with the New Testament directive to anoint the sick for healing. Mark 6:13. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. In Jesus' day, olive oil was often used medicinally. But here... It represented the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and was used symbolically in relation to supernatural healing. As a well-known healing agent, the oil was an appropriate, tangible medium the people could identify with as the disciples ministered to the sick among them. James may have had in mind medical treatment of believers physically bruised and battered by persecution. Yet another way to interpret this passage is to understand the anointing in a metaphorical sense of the elders encouraging, comforting, and strengthening the believer. So if we merge all this together, to pray in the name of the Lord is, is recognize that he is sovereign in this matter and that he will answer our prayers in ways that bring him the most glory he may choose to heal someone in this life or he may not and in some instances this may have nothing to do with the amount of faith and prayer that is being exercised on the part of the of the believer even someone with a mature spiritually rich faith who prays steadfastly does not have the power to usurp the sovereign will of god if it is his will not to heal or to call a Christian home to heaven. And as Paul aptly says in Philippians 1, the latter is far better. But here the question naturally comes up. If God is sovereign and his will is going to be done anyway, why pray at all? Well, it's simple, because God said we should. And sometimes the means that God uses to unlock his grace and healing power is in the context of our prayers. I understand all that stuff about God's sovereignty and, and will and, and sufficient grace, uh, but doesn't James guarantee healing? Well, yes, but what kind of healing are we talking about? Let's, let's take a closer look at the text and to be fair, I don't think we can ever dismiss the possibility of physical healing being in view here, especially since James is using the imagery of medicinal practice of anointing with oil, along with the picture of someone being raised up. And I'm um, you know assuming from a uh, lying down position in a bed. So, But even if physical he- healing is in view here, we know that it is still conditional to all that we've said up until now. But, Chaplain Jew, don't you believe in God's healing power? Absolutely. And I'll go one step further than you. I believe it has zero to do with a person's faith. And I'll use myself here as an example. I have uh, chronic pain in my neck and back, my spine is jacked up. If God, seeing the past, present, future, and has determined my life and the way, the way I'm going, and, and he has determined that uh, on, on such and such day, he is going to heal me from all of the pain, not needing medication, not needing um, injections, not needing any of these things anymore. I'm going to heal him on this day. Whether I have faith or not, if God has determined to do it, it will be done. You see, I have faith in God that he can do whatever he wants because, well, he's God but me if i if i decide to pray god i do pray that you take this pain away from me but you know your will not mine and uh and let's say i don't pray about it ever again right what's the harm if he determines he's going to do that he will do that it has nothing to do with me so yes of course god still heals um God is, it ha- hasn't lost his power to do miracles. Um, but we al- we also got to, uh, realize that, you know, we only get what 80, 90 years here on earth. And, um, some of us are, can get more than that. Uh, in fact, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I really don't want 90 or a hundred, <laughs> but that's just me. And that's the way I, cause right now my body feels like I'm 60 most days. So, you know maybe i'm looking to i'm looking uh to get out of here a lot quicker than you are i'm saying all this uh i'm joking but um w- the point is no one promised us we're going to live to 150 to 200 we're not going to live forever now we are after the fact after this life absolutely we we get eternal life right or everlasting life but um here on earth you know I guess I just... People get hurt. People are destroyed. Um, You're not healed because you didn't tithe enough. You're not healed because uh, you don't have enough faith. You're not healed because you haven't forgiven somebody. And you're not... God is not doing anything until you know. That just hurts people. That destroys people. That is horrible theology. And I've seen it. And I've heard it. And I've counseled people... Um, in it, Um, generational uh, curses, generation curses, Um, all of these things that are just horrible, horrific, horrific theology. People are hurt. People are hurt. And it's taught by people that are not educated, ill-equipped, not trained, nothing. They just think, they just hear it from somebody else, and they uh, verbal verbally vomit that on their congregants. So um, please don't be one of those people. Back to Eric. He says, therefore, the more likely interpretation of what James is promising here is nothing less than a spiritual restoration and healing. There are two different Greek words that James uses in the text that are translated into the word sick. If you look elsewhere in the New Testament, these words can also communicate the idea of someone who is emotionally weary or spiritually weak due to the persecution or suffering. Ah, see, if you let the text interpret the text, uh, you might get somewhere. It's very hurtful for somebody to read James five and say, well, uh, they call up the church. They say, elder, you know, some, send one of the elders. Uh, James says, if I, uh, if you anoint me with oil and they're going to one of these Word of Faith churches, you know, come on over, anoint me with oil. I'm going to be healed. And then nothing happens. And then some that person gets sicker or they die. Then what? Then what happens to your theology? Because it happens all the time. So if we're talking about um, what James is discussing, persecution, suffering, emotionally weak, spiritually weak, uh, back to Eric, this would fit the context of the book of James well. The immediate surrounding context also ju- suggests that James has more spiritual issues in mind here rather than physical ones. Remember, don't just read verse 13. Don't just start there of, of chapter 5. You Read all of James, but read all of James 5, and, and you'll get a better picture. So this is due to the fact that, that he talks about the confession of sin and the subsequent forgiveness that is sure to follow. Remember, we read that. He's talking about sin and forgiveness. As soon as James mentions the prayer of faith that will make a sick person well, he says, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. That's verse 15. Surely then, Eric says, we are talking about a promise of spiritual restoration and spiritual healing that comes as a result of confession and faith-filled prayer. And that's why James continues. Verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So the only kind of healing that is absolutely guaranteed in this life is the spiritual healing and restoration that comes as a result of repentance and faith. God promises to spiritually restore and make us whole again. Sin has acted as a barrier and may have even caused us to be physically weak. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-nine 29-30 But spiritual healing comes to those who confess and turn from sin. As Peter states in his sermon in Acts three, nineteen, Repent, turn to God, so that our sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So even though physical he- healing is not guaranteed in this life, spiritual healing and restoration is guaranteed for those who repent of their sins and seek the Lord in faith. He is the Lord who will raise them up so that they may be spiritually made whole and restored again. Now, to be fair, Eric says, God may in fact choose to physically heal someone who prays a prayer in faith for healing. But as we noted earlier, that will be answered according to whose will? God's sovereign will. And even if he chooses to do so, we know that our ultimate physical healing We'll have to wait for the life we inherit in the age to come truly was healed in the way matters most. You see, if I'm totally healed of my uh, neck and back pain tomorrow, I'm still going to die one day. And so it's that it's the uh, full restoration spiritually of God and his uh, our blessed hope that's beyond any hospital bed any sickness any uh grave uh that uh when we're no longer with uh, w- if we're no longer here on earth and that uh one day we're going to be with him that that's our blessed hope that's the blessed assurance and so we are uh saved uh through him he has um physically saved our lives but in the spiritual sense of uh we will get that restoration we will get that healing we may see some miracles here on earth, but uh, the greatest miracle is going to be um, my goodness, standing, uh, probably kneeling, <laughs> uh, but I want to say face-to-face um, with Jesus. And that that's, oh, what a day that will be, right? Amen. Galatians 4.13, But you know that it was because of a bodily illness, an ailment, that I preached the gospel to you the first time, and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition you will—you did not despise or loathe, uh, but you received me as an angel of God, as, as Jesus Christ. So the Galatians welcomed Paul in spite of his illness, which in no way was a barrier to his credibility or acceptance, but I just got to, you know, Paul was sick. Paul was sick. The the miracles that Paul performed as an apostle, as appointed by Christ himself. Acts 14.10 said with a loud voice, "'Stand upright on your feet,' and he leaped up and began to walk." Acts 16.18, she continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, "'I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her.'" And it came out that very moment, Acts 19, 11 to 12, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs and aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left him and the evil spirits went out. Acts 20, 10 to 12 is my favorite, (laughs) it's one of my favorite (laughs) preaching stories, Paul preaching for a very long time but Paul went down, oh the the boy uh fell out the the window and they appeared dead so but Paul went down fell upon him and after embracing him he said do not be troubled for his life is in him when he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten he talked with them a long while until daybreak so he didn't stop preaching <laughs> Uh, but when they took, you know, when when daybreak they left, and guess who they took with them? The boy alive, and they were greatly comforted, of course. Uh, Acts twenty eight five. However, he shook the creature off of the fire and suffered no harm. That's when the the snake bit him, and uh, after the uh, the the boat crashed. And there's more. Acts twenty eight. The the guy's father who was uh, lying in bed, afflicted with um, a fever, dysentery. Paul went into. Uh, see him, and after he had prayed, he laid hands upon him, and he was healed. So Paul had the anointing of God he, as an apostle, just like the others the the apostles, they had the power from God to heal the sick. so back to that story, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, handkerchiefs, aprons were carried from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. So what shall we learn from this? That it may not be God's will to heal you. And I hear that all the, it's God, God absolutely wants you healed, wants you prosperous, wants you this, wants you that. No, it's not. Not if we have biblical evidence that tells us otherwise. We have the specific example of an apostle who healed many in the name of Jesus, according to what? What does that mean according to God's will? But God's will wasn't to heal Paul. There are times when it is not God's will to physically heal in certain situations. And on those occasions, we have to trust him and his goodness while relying on the sufficiency of his grace to carry us. The deciding factor is whether or not our request is in keeping with God's will. 1 Timothy 5.23, no longer drink water um, exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. So water in the ancient world was often polluted and carried many diseases. Therefore, Paul urged Timothy not to risk illness, not even for the sake of uh, commitment to abstinence from wine. So apparently Tim, Timothy avoided wine and so as to not place himself in harm's way. Timothy was a pastor, and so, you know, we can talk about that later. Paul wanted Timothy to use wine, which, because of the fermentation, acted as a disinfectant to protect his health problems due to the harmful effects of impure water. God can heal, and he does heal, but does not always choose to heal. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. May or may not, no promises. You may be healed, you may not, no promises. If you're stuck in the physical, which this takes me all the way back to Isaiah 53. Now I have, there's a podcast on this before. I'm not going to go into all of it, but you know, by his stripes we are healed. Uh, I hear so many people misquoting this as well this is a famous passage isaiah 53 it's all about jesus Um, starting with verse let's see four however it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains he had carried yet ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted struck down by god and humiliated but he was pierced for our offenses he was crushed for our wrongdoings the punishment of our well-being was laid upon him and by his wounds we are healed now number 1 it shouldn't be wounds plural it shouldn't be stripes you might read stripes in your version it's it's a it's a singular hebrew noun scourging or wounded it's a stripe so if you're thinking that jesus was um his bodily wounds bruised internally, you know, um, and it was all for physical healing. Just keep reading verse six. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned his own way. Wait a minute. Are we not talking about being sick anymore? Um, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. Wait, is this another book? No, it's a same. it's the same chapter. It's the same chapter. He was oppressed and afflicted yet. He did not open his mouth Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and the sheep was um, that is silent before the shears. So he did not open his mouth. So it's all a prophecy about Christ. Drop down to verse ten. But the Lord desired, so Yahweh, uh, so the what do we say? God the Father desired to crush Him, God the Son, causing Him, Jesus, grief, if He renders Himself as a guilty offering of the Lord will prosper in his hand my goodness it's about the crucifixion it's about our salvation it has nothing to do with physical healing stop saying that i mean honestly and then you go to the new testament first peter 2 21 25 it's very listen if if you're one of those people that don't think that the old testament is relevant what what are all these apostles uh quoting listen to listen to peter uh, verse twenty one for you have been called for his purpose because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you would follow in his steps. He who committed no sin nor was in deceit uh, f- nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being abusively insulted, he did not insult in return while suffering he did not threaten. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, and he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. For you were continually straying like sheep. Oh, that sounds familiar. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. It's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus. He. It's a. It's a direct pl- parallel. From Isaiah, it's all about salvation. Stop quoting it for your physical healing. Matthew also uses this in chapter 8, verse 17. This happened so that uh, what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet, would be fulfilled. He himself took our illnesses and carried away our diseases. See, Matthew is pointing the reader to Jesus as Messiah and using the Old Testament to confirm this. Through the wounds of Christ at the cross... Believers are healed spiritually from the deadly disease of sin. Physical healing comes at glorification, when there is no more physical pain, illness, or death. 1 John five fourteen. 14, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that, He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request which we have asked from him. For having confidence is good and well. Christians can know with absolute confidence that God answers prayers when they approach the throne of grace according to what? His will. This phrase constitutes a strategic key to answered prayer. To pray according to God's will is to pray in accord that Uh, with with what he would want, not what we desire or insist that he do for us. John already specified that answered prayer also depends on obedience to God's commandments and avoidance of sin. Since genuine believers know God's word, i.e. his will, and practice those things that are pleasing to him, they never insist on their own will but supremely seek God's desire. He hears us. That word hears, H-E-A-R-S, hears, signifies that God always hears the prayers of his children, but not always in the manner they were presented. So I get told a lot that I should not talk about the False prophets, the wolves in sheep's clothing out there, that I shouldn't call them prosperity prophets, and I shouldn't do this because people are getting saved in their churches and their minist- under their ministries and you know, me putting them down uh is going to hurt. Um so a very there's a huge disconnect here. You're believing that they are actually saved and they just have, you know, some wonky theology. I do not believe they're saved. I believe that they are what the Bible tells us wolves in sheep's clothing. But we all need to be know the we all need to number one, know God's word to to be able to see and hear and as soon as we hear heresy. And we see blatant disrespect for God in his 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 word. We need to know what we're talking about or or you just want to be one of those people that just anytime uh, a preacher in a suit from a pulpit platform on your t v wherever you see it uh whatever they say must be true uh no I'm not gonna be that's not me uh the other thing is. Do you know that we're called to call out these people? So, 2 Timothy 4:3. I solemnly exhort you to you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and exhort the great patience and uh, with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, you self-restraint in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry second peter 2 1 to 3 but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who brought them who bought them excuse me bringing upon themselves swift destruction and many will follow their sens- sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Matthew twenty four eleven. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. Romans 16, 17, 18. I appeal to you, brothers... To watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have, well, doctrine that's not a good word right that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceived they deceive the hearts of the naive. Second mm. Corinthians two seventeen. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Know the difference. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise of his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Listen to this, Ephesians 5:11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, don't say anything, keep quiet. No, expose them is what it says. And lastly, Titus 1, 9-16. He must hold firm. To the trustworthy word as taught, at, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers. They will be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain that they ought not to teach. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. Uh, verse 14 Turn away from the truth. Uh, verse 16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Just to name a few. So that's why I do what I do. Um, but the the very first one, 2 Timothy 4, 3, be ready. Be ready to in uh, season and out of season, to correct, rebuke, exhort, have patience and instruction. Be ready. That's what we should all be doing. And so, by the way, these are all, this is in the New Testament. This was going on in their day. You go all the way back to the false prophets in the Old Testament. This is nothing new. It's not like the false prophets have have left us. No, they've been around for a very long time. Hmm, there might be something to that. All right, well, I, I believe that's going to do it for today. I, again, I appreciate you listening, and I hope you, those of you who have stayed with me, who are hearing this right now, you've stayed with me, and I appreciate that. Uh, as always, um, jump over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, communicate with us if you would like. Ask questions, prayer requests, prayer. Please, I, I pray for people all day long. I'd love to pray for you. Um, and then I, I post um, things, I, at least I try, daily. And so I know all last week, uh, the last week of September, I had um, a theme going there. And so uh, check that out. It's it's good information. It's from resources that I have through uh, school and education and all that. So um, check that out. But uh, listen, I hope everything is going well. And if it isn't, uh, I pray that God gives you the strength to get through it. I pray that he um uh is is a is a presence uh, with you and your family. I pray that he gives you comfort and peace uh through the good times and the bad. And I uh, just pray that you as you go out make disciples, be a witness, testify to Jesus Christ and uh be be you may be the only Jesus they know or see or hear that day. So you go out and make disciples and be the image bearer that God has created you to be and uh, love one another, take care of one another, and uh, peace be with you.